Hello and a very warm welcome to This Woman's Work, a space where you can hear and read about some amazing women, the fantastic jobs they do and the paths that have led them to where they are today. I'm here today with the Jennifer sisters. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> right, there's three, so this is taking me into very uncharted territory, but we're going to go with it. And we're going to start with Kate. Kate, as the oldest of the three, can you explain to the listener what it is you three do together and then tell us a little bit more about you? Um, so, we, yes, we are three daughters, which is our Instagram account name. And, um, but in theory, we are a family of farmers in... Um, Uffington. I'm the eldest, then there's Susan and then there's Liz and the three of us work with our mum and dad, Paul and Yvonne and we farm a traditional mixed farm which means we have cows and sheep and combinable crops and um, wildlife and lots of wildlife yeah and, and also we have a meat box scheme which is the meat that's supplied into the pub that people might already know about um and you can order it direct as well can't you? for anyone can. obviously listening so yeah we're available three, to all available to all and then as kate jennifer i always talk about myself in the third person <laughs> which is weird that comes with age though doesn't it, it comes with age no it's always been like this oh, um, <laughs> as kate jennifer the artist um i work all over the country and internationally, often in uh, marginalised communities, um, helping and supporting people to reflect on and cope with change. Wow. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there is. But we'll, we'll move we'll around to your back, sister yeah. to that. So, Susan. Um, yeah, so I help on the farm, not as much as these two hands-on, but I do the account side of things and general admin and take a lead on selling the meat boxes. Um, but really... And Instagram, don't forget, you're yeah, the social... And yeah, I do the invoice Yeah. Um, historically, I was in international development. That's what I my degree and where my career was going before I had children, Yeah. <laughs> as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Career obviously took a nosedive, and I think you. It was quite interesting, which we might talk about more later. About you saying you sacrificed your career for your husband, which you do, but I don't think you realise you're doing it at the time. No, of you go you don't. into it, don't you? So anyway, I finished in international development, and we moved back when um, Gilbert was born to be back on the farm, and then I've had various jobs since I've been back here. Worked at Coptill for quite a long time, which was great, but now I work for. Um, the National Association of Agricultural Contractors, which is like a trade union body, yeah, but just for contractors. So it's like the NFU, but it's specific to agricultural contractors. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's what I do. Wow. As okay. a part-time job, as well as helping on the farm. So hi, yeah, I'm Liz. So I also help on the farm. I tend to do more on the stock front. So I do quite a lot of the marketing of stock, so selling and lambs okay. and cattle and various things. Um. And 
but my main role, well, my main job outside the farm is a, a beef and sheep system consultant, which what oh, does that right. mean? That means I spend a lot of time talking to people in fields about how to graze things differently. Um, I'm doing quite a lot at the moment on regenerative and biological farming systems. So wow. how we can get more soil biology, more health into the soil. So, and part of the work is mix or trying to bring some of those techniques back to the home farm as well so I'm involved in various projects trying to how can we use some of that approach here and trying to negotiate family members in not necessarily the ones here other family members in slightly different approaches to farming I was going to say which I think is important to say that as a family or as the three of us we're really interested in how we can improve and bring more nature back onto the farm and more diversity back onto the farm and are keen to build that as initiatives that also welcome people to understand and um, explore more about things to do with agriculture. 42% of the population that work in agriculture are women. Are they? In the UK. In a wider across the globe it's a lot higher. So the part of the bit I do other stuff on is about getting, well it's not even equality, it's just getting women's voices heard within within different situations and that a lot of the time it's because within a, within a, most of the historic, most of the work has been directed towards the male farmer, so the head of the household type approach and part of it is trying to get people or women in particular to reclaim the fact is their voice is equally as important. So women are out there in the farming industry they're just not some just of them are marginalized oh, oh but the debate is where some of it is about bravery standing up and being wanting to have your voices heard some of it is about the timing of events like they did a huge bit of work in australia about making sure the timing of farmer events isn't in the evening when you have sold when your requirement is to be with children yeah so the whole a lot of the industry has been directed towards males that. Yes. So yes. It's, whether I suppose it is marginalised, <clears throat> but the fight has to come from the women as well. Do you mean? So there's the bit that irritates me currently is if you look at the Farmers Weekly, there's a big campaign that's been run by Farmers Weekly about women in agriculture being led by a man. <laughs> like, in what world? And there's also what tends to happen is they have Instagram posts that are 20 something year old women with shorts sitting on a silage clamp that isn't representing women in agriculture as my friend said it's not representing Brenda who's turned up covered in shit because she's been feeding calves (laughs) yeah that means so there it is about being recognized and so I have the every time we go to meetings and farmers are referred to he or she is come so we we within the industry have to be better at at challenging and trying to be more visible yeah and, and it's not about I suppose some of it is about being argumentative, but some of it is just about being present and saying, I'm not having it anymore. Yeah. We have every right to be here. Thanks. But I don't know what the numbers are, but <clears throat> girls at, on agricultural courses now, I think, outweigh, I can't remember the numbers, but there's a massive uptake in girls signing up to agricultural really? yeah, degrees and, and courses. <clears throat> and what's interesting in the regen world is that there is, there's more women so there's a lot more women within the audience there's a lot more diversity it's not just a male stale pale type of person that turns up the creativity is very is more interesting when you've got more women in the room 
and the their the different questions and different approaches and a lot more interesting rather than men appear i do quite a lot of farmer meetings where you have all men male audiences and they're always really challenging in terms of questions or that willingness to be vulnerable yeah it's the speaker which is just normal yeah but the ability to be vulnerable in that room is impossible we actually get women in the vulnerability starts to actually require some really interesting conversation and change happening so we can build it in and as they get more confident with me the vulnerability starts but initially it's a bit it is very much we're all here competitive oh and just alpha male yeah but I've been trained to deal with that and that's (laughs) fine by who? my dad and how far into it all do you think you I'm trying to find how to word this became em- embraced your feminine you know rather than doing what had always been done in a masculine way how far into I'm saying were you a, were you a child or were you a teenager where you thought okay I'm a, I'm a, you were aware of yourself as a woman and how as a woman you could influence things slightly differently the last few years you realize the power of the feminine energy yeah. and i think that is more of a conscious thought but that's only in the last few I was years say, yeah because you it, you you do realize the the power of that it's just more subtle but it is powerful to use it i, I think and also i think it's a question maybe we can't answer that the the interesting people to ask is the people that come and work with us or we work alongside so People sometimes come and help us with cattle when we TB testing or whatever, and and they they're often you can see them going. I remember Will Barker saying to me, "Do I ask you? Do I just help you? What do I do?" And I'm like, right. you know, like like not knowing what to do, so right. not wanting to not you know well, not be offensive, really respectful, yeah. yeah, but also recognizing that traditionally. A woman wouldn't be lugging something across the yard, or a, wouldn't be pushing a bullock up a, <laughs> into a trailer, or whatever it is. But what I always do is, I then we then track back and we go back to little Kate, and little Susan, and little Liz, and we find out what you were like, what you're into. Um, so we're going to start with Kate. So what? Wait, but then each of you, as a, as sisters, what were you like? What were you into? What was childhood like? Um. What was I in? What was I like? Yeah, what were you like I, as, a, as a as a person, as a young child? Um, I was always into art and drawing and making things. I didn't pass my eleven plus, um, so I went to the secondary modern in Stamford, and um, enjoyed it. Enjoyed secondary. Uh, only in when I got to about the age of thirteen, because we had a. a a girl in our year that bullied the entire year oh, yeah. and when she left the uh, that's when I think my brain kicked in and yeah. then f- I, I really enjoyed school from that point and oh. came out I did well at school fantastic and then I went to art school I was going to say you go to sixth school. form then art school then I did an art degree mm-hmm. and then uh, eventually I did an MA yeah. wow and at all this same time, you're still working on the farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how so, did your how did your parents react to your artistic? Uh, I I mean, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I think that we should consider ourselves to be very lucky because I we have parents that were very encouraging of whatever we wanted to do, and always said that. Um, 
you know, to go and do what we wanted to do and that we could always come back to the farm if we wanted to, but not to rely on the farm being there as a thing just to... Okay, so they very much wanted you to find your thing. Go and do our thing. Wow. And I had a really great art teacher at secondary who they liked and encouraged me to do stuff. Um, and, yeah, I guess I worked on the farm on the weekends and all of my holidays from through, through school, sixth form all my degree I used to come home every holiday and work on the farm and it is a family joke that they used to plan the lambing and the busy times around half term and Easter holidays and stuff so that they would have been there in school they would have been anyway but school holidays but at that point yeah so the kids all of us lot would turn up and work all the holidays and also they needed it probably didn't they yeah of course busy times vital resource yeah yeah so I worked my way through all of college and all of those things Fantastic. And then when I first came out of my first degree, I came back to the farm for a bit and worked on the farm and then left and then used to, was on a temporary part-time contract, a year contract. So every holiday I used to come back still and work on the farm. So I'd drive tractors all summer. So when did, so in terms of you said you obviously you travel a bit. Yeah. So how, how does that look then for your sort time? Of, yeah, like a month or a, or a how does your general For work now, yeah. now. Yeah, so what's the split like? What oh, it just you... depends entirely on the week and the month. Okay. So if it's lambing, I'm here. And then... Yeah, so certain times you'll absolutely... Yeah, and because I freelance, so I can just... I move my diary around what and most things. And because some well. of us are more fixed in what we have to do with jobs. Okay. Yeah, and okay. then I travel around it, yeah. And I work all over the country, yeah. Everyone. So what exactly are you doing when you are abroad then? Just for looking. That's a big question. <laughs> looking. There's a lot of looking in my life. Drawing. Drawing, drawing. Drawing. Looking. Exploring. Exploring. I um depends on why I'm away. So it could be a commission to make artworks. Yes. Yeah. It could be a commission to work in response to a place. It could be to so I have a long term commission into West Hall in a community in West Hall and that's looking at um, how can arts and culture support what already happens in that um, area. Okay, so little Susan then. What was <laughs> little Susan like? Um, well, I'm the middle child, so <laughs> for all middle children out there, I don't really think I need to say much more. Oh, <laughs> I didn't really fit into the traditional mould I don't think like Kate did a lot of work on the farm or as Tina as a teenager I remember Kate and cousin Sally being on the farm whereas that wasn't really my thing I was like off you love sport yeah doing sport and so you were more in it with the school thing and your mates and all that kind of thing really are you off well, we had like a gang in the village. We were like the cool gang that like oh. people would come into the village oh, to like hang, hang out hang with out. us. So, but when we were older, like I didn't really do that much work on the farm. I think because Kate and Sally were doing a lot of it. Yeah. It was kind of well that job's been taken, so I just kind of went to Walgreens. Yeah, I got jobs in summer holidays and stuff off the farm, so I never really had that solid base of farming from practical a, yeah farming. practical base of it from a young age and, and also, then I mean, if your parents are encouraging you still to follow your own path 
you weren't being pushed out into farming, were you? You were being allowed to... Yeah, yeah, no, there was never any... I mean, there was always lambing, as we were saying, and harvest, where you were just expected to be there, but it was never kind of drilled into us that it was expected. So, um, so yeah, so school-wise, I was the first person to pass the 11 plus in the family. <laughs> putting it out there. So I went to the high school on a full scholarship... It was fine, it was school, lots of sport, which was fab, but I didn't love it. So I went to Stamford College to do my, and that's where I like really flourished to do my A-levels. Okay. Loved it. A-levels in? Sorry? I want to know what you did A-levels in. Uh, don't his, you tell me we don't do grades on this okay. work. History. You just got A-levels. Geography and English literature. Okay. So with a view to? Well, I then went on and did geography with African and Asian studies at Sussex University. Oh, so you buggered off then? Yeah, I left. (laughs) (laughs) And then stayed on and did an MA in what was then called Third World Rural Development, which it wouldn't be called that now, so like international development. Wow. And then went straight into volunteering for a charity, development charity. Worked my way up there, then got another job with a um, Natural Resources International, so we would bid to win work from the EC and DFID that was now is no longer um, no longer a thing department and would travel around Africa and Asia and a little bit of Latin America going to projects that we were working on so yeah I probably went away disappeared off and did my own thing and then did that as I said earlier had the first child and then came back to the farm and my world closed in around me. Liz, little Liz, so, as, as you are, you're the littlest in age of... Uh... Yeah, I was never that little. Um, <laughs> so I was the youngest, and there's quite a big gap. So oh, I was going to ask that. So what so is the age gap? Nine years between me and Kate, and six years between me and Susan. So ah. I was not quite on my own, but there was a bit of a gap between... So you really were pretty junior, and then Liz came along and... Yeah, so she wasn't a middle child for six years. Maybe but that's why they had you, because I was so disengaged. They were like, we need another baby. Um, so I came and um, was really poorly, uh, really early on. So I am spoiled, I accept. I am spoiled because of Indulged. That. Indulged, um, but was painfully shy as a young kid and probably was until I was about 19. Um but I was absolutely adored animals. Would like spend all of my time with animals if I could. Went to the high school as well. Stayed on to sixth form. Then went to Nottingham University to do. I quite. I'm an academic, so I love school. Wow. Um, don't really like people, but I'm happy in books. Um, and then went to. That did change. A bit. You like people now. Sort of come back. It's gone down again. Anyway, um, so I went to Nottingham University to do animal science, so that's sort of agriculture, but with a focus on animals, and that's when I sort of realised... Because the high school's quite dif- difficult. If you're not going to be a lawyer or yeah, a doctor, or you, you're always seen... As, and there's always really, really bright people. Yeah. And all of a sudden, then, at that degree, I suddenly went, actually, I do know myself... Because I was really passionate about the subjects and what I wanted to do. Um had a year out, went travelling, spent four months in Australia, two months in New Zealand. On your own? Or yeah, went out on my own and then met up with other people when I was yeah. out there. I really wa- randomly won um, a hair mile ticket, so I got my ticket free. Oh, wow. I still don't know what competition I entered to get them. Something to do with the bank. Yeah, and really weird. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, so I went out for six months, came back, um, interviewed for a PhD at Cambridge, got that in 
animal welfare behaviour. So I did three years at Cambridge, um, and then just as I just before I, um, well, just as I left Cambridge, I then got a job working for a levy board which supports farmers. So like a bit like a trade association, but not quite. Yes. Um, yeah. So I was writing up and with a new job, um, and then that got me to Milton Keynes. So I was there for six years, some years, and then moved back to the village in 2012. But And then worked for that organisation and then became an independent consultant, left them December 18, so started my own business January 19. So but one of my questions is always kind of what next, and that obviously feels like quite a poignant question because there's obviously a legacy element here. So obviously your grandfather built on what he was given, your dad, dad and uncle. his brother did what they could to build and obviously you're now sitting here trying to obviously expand it in your own different ways as well and almost not just within the village obviously you're talking about almost like as Geneva farmers and the impact you can have on farm do you know what I mean the wider farming community so the farms almost extending beyond yeah. farm isn't it really with with you with guys the work that we do yeah elsewhere. which I don't know that feels that feels really female to me. That feels like, do you know what I mean? Being able to see beyond... Well, some might call it very clever diversification. So the, we're working in different sectors and in different um, geographies as a way to earn money and make a living because we couldn't all live on the farm and earn from the farm. It's just an impossibility. Um, and so there is a diversification. Well, I'm Lizzie's actually quite a good driver in... Actually, we've got to have a meeting about this, about bringing new initiatives into the farm. And it's very much, I believe, I think we all believe, we want to leave the farm better than we found it. And that's yeah. not to say it was we haven't inherited a great farm. We have. But there's lots of pro progress. I don't know whether that's the right Maturity. word. Well, movement towards the regen side of things and that we do need to look after our soil and we do need to plant trees and we do need to look after hedgerows. And that's just a shift, I think, in an agricultural oh, way. Global context. You know, we've moved from industrial farming where we just need to produce, 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 and now it's... No longer working. No, we have to look after what we've got, otherwise we're not going to be able to just keep producing, producing, producing. So it's not necessarily about expand, expand, expand. It's about just taking better care. Exactly. And making what you have got work better yeah. and smarter for you. Yeah, exactly. agricultural side of things and we're bringing in lots of initiatives and we're looking at soil health last year we planted over 900 trees which were funded by the woodland trust, woodland trust. so and that's my interest really the environmental side of things and being involved in that so we've got um, on the farm at the moment we've just got just over 4,000 meters of hedges so on a relatively small amount of farm it's quite a lot of hedge yeah um, and then We've just got some money to put in another 800 metres of hedge and then do some other management. So hedges in this bit of the world are quite a traditional way of marking field boundaries, but um, also in the in the funding pot, they're a, they're a cheap way of getting a fence. So if you put a hedge up, you get a fence paid right. for. So okay. we're using it not only to put the hedges up, but also to improve the infrastructure within the farm. Okay. No, but that is driven by a, 
broken it's down both. fence. It's <laughs> both. It's driven by an, it's the a want of nature yeah. and also practically wanting to farm animals. Yeah. Yeah. And needing a new fence. And needing a new fence. <laughs> um, and then the the bid I've just put in, so for the sustainable farming incentive, is to put more wild bird feed in and also more sort of insect food. So it's quite interesting, like mum... We drive. I drive down the lane with Mum and the gate, and she always talks about there's not many birds. There's not as many birds down the lane as there used to be. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting in that generation is that they remember when there was lapwings here, and they remember when there was all of this bird life. Yeah. And we're now to a point where this is the new normal. So actually, if we can put some bird feed in, can we get those birds back to uh, them yeah. to the levels that they remember? And so, and I've put in another in the process of putting another bid in which is the focus would be on lapwings and corn buntings which are a right. focus species for these or species for these areas so they, they should be here and they're not here so I'm interested in how our agricultural system has led to that demise but what can we do to bring them back whilst and also growing food yeah yeah. yeah. by being product a productive farm and so what that a lot of those areas are on bits that are struggling bits of the farm that are struggling or near a watercourse so we don't necessarily want to farm right really close to the watercourse okay, so yeah. we're using those options to not only add bird food but also to make far, farming those fields a bit easier yes yeah we're going through a period within the farming community that subsidies are reducing and right. so this is another do you mean by 2027 there'll be no farm subsidy for producing food so at the moment we just get subsidy for doing yes we have to keep the land in good agricultural condition but we that's about it and we get money for that yeah that stops in 2027 so that's focused people's minds to going right we were getting this lump of money we're now not so how can we either get that money back by doing different schemes or how do we diversify our business most beef and sheep farms would not be making a money would not be making a profit the only reason they're actually existing is because of subsidy so when you take that subsidy out the reality is going to be frightening and, and people still think they pay lots of money away. for their food but it, and that's not about that's a anyway this is a whole different podcast yeah. but that's about how we've we've developed farming systems that are really expensive so people are not paying enough for food is one argument we're also we're doing we're producing food in a quite an expensive way so there's somewhere in between where we've got to look at both sides and that's Mm -hmm. a lot like over machinery like different anyway there's yeah there's loads of how far do you get involved in these chats and so i'm guessing this is you of the sisters that's going that'll go into these kind of meetings and and how far up the Elizabeth Elizabeth is leading in the country, I would think, on some... No, but in terms of influence, do you mean at governmental level? Yeah, so so all these chats that are going on... Yeah, so for for something else I do, I've just put in a test and trial bid. So the test and trial is an initiative that's been run by DEFRA to gather ideas. So if our idea gets to the next level, then that might influence future policy. Right. So you you can get involved. I also organize things where we're building a community for farmers who are doing new things to exchange ideas yeah so some of this can't just be policy makers telling us what to do some of it is we have to come up with our own solutions and are, and is that quite are, there, are ideas embraced or is there an element of like, this is just me asking really random questions here 
But like, I don't know, do people get a little bit protective or like, I don't want yeah. to share ideas so, because I don't want, you know what I mean? I think, think about this in, in any, any well, sector. Well, that's what I am thinking. I think so any sector, you're going to have people that want to progress and have forward thinking innovation and you'll have bits of the sector of people that want it to be like it was in the 1960s. And there is a spectrum of all of that in any sector. Mm. And so it's no different for agriculture. So, of course, there will be farmers that don't want anything to change and they still want to drive really big tractors up and down and not think about lapwings. And then there'll be others that want the most extreme, which is to take the tractors completely off and, well, re and rewild their farms. Yeah. And so you, you know... But what about the, the level of competition is, is, is where I'm thinking as well are... Are farmers competitive with each other? As in, um, like, when you depends. go sort of through the other side, no, is about it's a really open. So the regenerative well, that, yeah. type community is very open generally. So okay. they're willing to share and exchange ideas and all of that. But that that moves into a it can move into a sort of a definition of positive mental health, which is an openness and an in, like encouraging people around you. A lot of what a lot of the farmers that I work with is. Is mental health is is this is how is the stumbling block do you mean right. they're not in the right frame of mind to make some of these shifts right. so their their attitude towards change is from a it's it comes from fear it comes from lots of things but it generally comes from a lot of of being able to control the negative thoughts yeah so Blimey. so if you look at the there's new survey well relatively new survey data which is self-reported but anxiety levels are anywhere between 50 I think women are 68% self-diagnosed as anxiety anxious in some form in agriculture in what's a, in the stats in every day that's like a day yeah how are you feeling and then day? depression is sitting at self-diagnosed of the people who responded to the survey is sitting at 30-40% so right. we mental health but again this is I'm embedded in the agricultural society but mental health is a massive crisis everywhere but when you've got an industry that has to make significant change in three years yeah. and nobody's really talking about how to deal with the mental health bit, it's going to be really challenging. Change is hard for anything, yeah. isn't it? We all struggle with change, let's be honest and, about it. And we talked about the vulnerability piece, which is until those people are vulnerable, they won't change. Someone seeing someone instigating change it's and it's change, working, isn't it? Yeah. Someone is, can then hopefully then go, okay, well, that's not my farm type, but no, how do I change? Okay. But I, I think I think what's interesting is the overlap between the work that I do within um, communities and the work that Elizabeth does within the agricultural sector and recognising the amount of work that's already done around um, resilience and choice and change that are happening for lots of communities and how does that work and that knowledge and experience, how can it just it can be moved sideways into understanding agricultural communities and all of us will know if we've had anything dramatic happen to us in our lives that um, how you come to cope with choice and make a resilient, effective, empowered choice isn't something that you can do straight away. You mm -hmm. have to process and you have to um, accept loss and you have to grieve and all of those things before you can come to um, a, pla a place of choice. What's the best part of of farming as as you do? Let's not talk about your individual careers. What's the best part of this? Of the of life or farming? <laughs> of Sorry. farming. Of farming. I'm going to keep it specific because I've got. I'm trying to recalibrate my questions as I'm going. Space. 
outside yeah outside space i don't think you realize how outside i am until i speak to someone who isn't and if so that's what you mean literally outdoors how how, how physically works chris my partner he will go an entire day without going outside and i that would just drive me mad like the idea of being inside all the time like not to be out and about doing stuff and not just doing stuff but being in nature seeing what's going on looking at the weather all of that stuff is just fundamental to who I am. But well, my dream, back to my what is my dream day yeah. is standing outside with a group of farmers talking about things. So do, that you, would, do you have meetings outside? Yeah, yeah all oh, the time. Okay. So, and that's because we're we can look. You're observing. You're yeah. you're connecting. You're talking. You're doing all of that stuff. And and everybody is in that community is generally happier standing outside in full. Do you mean it can be pissing it down? We're in full waterproofs wow. and we're fine most of the time. <laughs> I think you know, on a good day and coming back to your question about what do what do I enjoy about and the it, best yeah. part of it the best part of it is when everybody's on form and we're all in a good mood and there's family and no probably not or that you know or that there's people helping or you know we're all there and we're all getting involved and yeah. we're all stuck in and we're all doing what we're meant to be doing and everybody is happy that so is once a year that <laughs> is an occasional thing but that is a that's and we're outside and we're and busy one, and yeah. that feel but that and that feels good my other fascinating fact is that 80 percent of the world's food production is produced from small holdings so an argument that is right. an argument that's banded out a lot is that we can't do this because we, we need to produce food. It's like actually industrialised chemical-based farming is not producing. No, the but is that because produced. small holdings in countries like Africa and India that cover a yeah. vast yeah, yeah, but that's it's still area. they're feeding they're responsible for feeding a lot of people. So it's, it's and just mostly women and mainly women. So it's it's the it's this movement away from we need chemicals and this way of farming to feed the world. It's like, well, actually, the world is feeding itself quite well. It's it's sort of quite a colonial type view. Yeah. That well, we, it's a patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. 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 So if you think to back to the well-known within the geography world or sort of developing countries of the Green Revolution, so this was it was lauded as this amazing success at how it has increased yield, but in the same message they gave the seed, they also gave the chemical fertiliser and they gave the pesticides. And so you, you moved a, a lot of communities away from an indigenous way of growing with seed saving and you mean, recycling of nutrients to this chemical-focused, profit-driven way of farming. And so a lot of the work is now how do you get people unhooked from that? So it's yeah. an addiction, and how do you get people off it? But what's the worst part of farming? When is when is it a when is it a bad day? When it's I, just, I think it's important, yeah, to discuss Mud. the when it's raining and it's cold and you've got to do some task. And I have Raynards, which means I get dead fingers. So I get that. So that's difficult um, when everybody's fed up, when we're, yeah, nobody's in the mood and it's shit weather. It's just shit weather. And well, what time um, in the morning the is this as well? So you're up at... Probably, we're in, we start normally between 7 and 7.30, so... 
And it could be dark, wet, raining, cold. The winter, mud, rain. Darkness. And you've got to do it. You can't even go, you can't even put a sick um, day. I remember one day it was And when you're poorly, and then you're still doing it. It was lambing time, and it was the. I remember thinking as I woke up, is this going to be the morning where I find a lamb frozen to the mud? So that's like they're they're the proper dog yeah, days. Yeah, when you're and I think the worst thing, actually, not the those that's the worst thing in terms of what do you getting up every day, but the thing that's absolutely the worst is when you're trying your best for animals and you're doing things with animals and then something obviously happens. something horrible happens and they die and then those are the worst days. So yeah. you're because you're in charge of that thing, you and have you a don't responsibility ever get used to that. I think if you got used to it, you would be a really, really terrible farmer. I think you have mm. to not. I think you have to have find empathy at all points, else you couldn't do it. And that's I think some of that comes farmer support in those days are important because there is that sort of everybody has that dream. We have livestock and some of those will die that is the reality so you've seen some really not nice things yeah. and, and, but you and you sort of you need to be within people or with with people who've also seen them and it's that's not about they're in a worse situation than us it's just about someone who can understand that yeah because the irony is yes we sell meat boxes but that and, and so that I'm vegetarian and that she's vegetarian and I appear to be turning plant based <laughs> but we do you know a lot of our business model is based on animals dying we just don't want them to die when they don't need to die yeah or yeah. because we might have made a mistake or something yeah. like an accident's happened it's just well, demoralising or the weather's shit yeah. and it's affected They're, them and we've made the choice to bring them into the world and then they have to so yeah, yeah the respon- it's responsibility and it does certain life, days isn't it? Responsibility and there is for me there is you, I, you do have to, there is a bit of a switch off that you have to or you just it becomes it does too gets too much yeah what do you think is the worst Susan? honestly every day honestly. every day I think being in an environment that you can't walk away from is really difficult mm. because anybody else in a normal job if they didn't like it they'd go actually today, I'm walking yeah. away now I yeah. nearly did that on Saturday so that's quite hard the fact that people with farms or fam- any family business to be able to just say hand in your notice and leave you uh, you have you are in, you have agency don't you within that system whereas within a farm you don't have agency so that can c- contribute to poor mental health yeah i did oh the story of when the guy turned up the son turned up and just like pushed a pushed an envelope towards his dad and went i'm leaving i want to pay out you owe me a million pounds so how did the meat sale business come about how did that start whose idea was it so i'll so do so the background would, and then yeah. these two do the more yeah. now and then the susan can do it so they always used to sell meat to people from the farm yeah always yeah but um but since um i don't know how long you've been doing it now 10 years covid i don't know Covid, maybe a bit before. Covid got us more professional, probably. Yeah, and then so then we started doing three daughters yeah. meat boxes. Go for it, Susan. So yeah, mum and dad, we used to have. Well, would did we even get a full bullet back? Would it often be yeah, half yeah. a bullet? And you they'd like it'd get in. chopped up. Lovely by a butcher. Eric. Yeah, lovely Eric would chop it up. But there'd be like six or seven people that would 
come and get the me. Same and then, yeah, the same people. And dad would, mum and dad would give me away to friends, wouldn't they, at Christmas and birthdays and stuff. And then I don't know what, I think I kind of started getting involved in that and then thought, this has Hang got on, legs yeah. here, we could do something with this. Not inventing that, you know, it's done all over the country yeah, and the yeah, world, yeah. but just thinking, this is something that we could possibly do and just started putting word out there and it was just really word of mouth we've got this available if people are interested and then that sort of started developing and then we were getting more and more people and then we just I still wouldn't say we're overly professional about it but we started getting a bit more organized about it didn't we and then that kind of brought Instagram into into being yeah which I think has been a really positive Thing in bringing people in and learning about what we're doing yeah you know it might just be a funny post one day another day it might be something informative about what we're doing around the year so people can see the life of a farm throughout yeah. the year and what's going on um, and then recently the last year the pub has started buying um, our meat yeah but having it on specials boards because we don't produce enough to provide them and for everyone listening Obviously, because I've already interviewed Kate, it is a busy pub, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, really busy pub. So they tend to put our meat on specials boards and sell us three daughters' meat, which I think... But the excitement of this menu is we got on the menu. Are we on the main menu We're actually this time? on the main menu. And now, is that hope to get into other pubs, or where do you want that? Where would you like that? that my, dream, dream. my dream is that all of our animals would go into... No local, supply. Yeah, local, local supply, supply rather than. Okay. That's so we can either reduce the number of animals we have yeah, or get better at The practicality of that dream yeah. is not. But we and we probably three or four bullocks a year at the moment. And how many do we produce? 40. So, so it's not, not quite 10%. <laughs> yeah. Um, lambs would be less than 10%. And then pigs, we we get wieners from a friend James and rear them up, so they that's going to shift slightly. But yeah, we that's where the pigs come from. And then I did a few pastured chickens last year as a bit of a trial as well. Our a focus area that we started last year but need to develop this year, which is getting more people, a range of people onto the farm. And that yes, lovely if they buy some steak, but actually it's also about getting the wider community of people onto the farm yeah. to understand farming more and what. And making different choices. It's, Jean, it could be that they might not eat red meat, but because of they've been to us, they have a better appreciation of where they might buy their veg from, or what what do they need to look for in terms of production systems now? Jean, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's not just about us selling our meat. It's about more communication about farming, and taking responsible decisions about where your food comes from, which is what has led us into where we are now anyway. But that does also need to translate into money for you somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. Because obviously you've got to give up your time for that. And I guess if you're creating a brand that has commercial value in a few different forms, that's yeah. how you can... Because obviously you naturally want to do it. You can do it. There's a cost to you know, photographing it, videoing everything you want to do. There's a cost to that. And then putting out... I think, I think that's another... to be able to make money off that. And I think we, that is the, we now need... Do you mean, we've... We've pro- we have probably saturated the market we're in, so we've now got to take a decision whether we want to move ramp yeah. it up one. And I, my experience of working with other farmers who are posting meat out is is a tedious job in terms of ha- like couriers. Yeah, yeah. So it still would be local, but it could be that like Susan's idea of having a pop up shop of like when we have a 
when we have more stuff we can do like a little farm shop every quarter or whatever it happens to be yeah so there's other there's other ideas we can bring in it's just it's that can it's sort of going right we've got to where we are we now need to take the next step up. Like, i think and i suppose although i have said about money quite a lot but i think it also fits that there are no we don't we're not searching for notoriety or fame we're searching for purpose so for me might the per, i'm I have greater purpose in developing a farm where some farmers might want to come and learn stuff yeah. than I do necessarily being in the Sunday Times. On that note, I'm going to say thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. Thank Edit you. that is what I'm <laughs> going to say. Good luck. <laughs> if you would like to hear more about this chat, see some pics and read about how to get started in this industry and or this role, then please go to our website www.thiswomanswork.org The link is on this podcast page and across our socials. Sincere thanks.